Well, good morning, Peace Church. You know, just before I walked through those doors to come in, I was stopped by an elder, and he said, Nate, when I heard that you were leaving, I actually cried. And then he said, and then when I heard you're staying, I cried again. And I, th- I thought, man, that, that touched me so much. But as I was sitting here, I was thinking, well, I don't know which ones were the happy tears and the sad tears, but... Uh, Thank you so much for uh, always encouraging me. I've been here for only about 18 months, but uh, let me just say from the bottom of my heart, it's just been such a blessing and an honor and a privilege to be a pastor here. Like Ryan shared, uh, my family is staying here and we are so excited to continue to be a part of the Peace Church family. We just love this church. We love the leaders. Just looking at Ryan and Pastor John here, and I'm so thankful to get to follow them as a member of this church. So moving forward, what I'm going to be doing, though, I can't, I can't tell you everything that I'm going to be doing, and I don't, I don't think you would ultimately want to hear it all, but I'm going to work for Organic Outreach International. It is this organization uh, who our passion is helping churches and ordinary Christians like you and like me learn what it means to naturally share the truth and the love of Jesus Christ with a world that when you look out at it. You just know each person you're walking by just needs Jesus. So I'm so excited to partner with them. And uh, it's been interesting as I've been getting ready to transition out of my role as a pastor at Peace and into this role working for Organic Outreach, uh, there's just been this one thing that came together because we're in this series called Jonah, the Prodigal Prophet. We're looking at the book of Jonah. Last week, Pastor John launched us in the series. We looked at the first chapter. And in that chapter, we know Jonah was called to go to Nineveh. He did not listen. He deliberately disobeyed. He, did the, he went the opposite direction, but God intervened. Uh, when Jonah was on a ship, God sent a storm. Jonah gets thrown off. And then how chapter one ends with what is known as one of the craziest stories in the Bible, Jonah gets swallowed by a big fish. And that's where uh, this sermon, my last sermon as a pastor here, came together with some uh, work I've been starting to do, getting ready to work with Organic Outreach, not on Peace Church official time. Let me just be really clear there. Uh, on my free time, I've been just kind of trying to uh, prime my heart to just fully dive into outreach and into evangelism. One of the things I've done to do that is I've been listening to stories uh, through podcasts, interviews, like reading articles of people who are articulating the reason why they don't follow Jesus, why they don't believe this good news that we want to share. And this theme kept coming up, this thread through these different interviews of totally different people separated by geography, different ages. And you would think if all these people were bringing up one person in their explanation of why they don't believe and follow the Bible, you would think that name that would keep popping up would be Jesus. You know, he's the central figure. He's the Lord and Savior. He was crucified and resurrected. And you think that would be the primary event that would get brought up, the, the, re, the miraculous resurrection. I mean, that's what our faith hinges on. Jesus was dead for three days, and then he was alive. He defeated sin and death. But that's not the name I heard the most in listening to some of these interviews. Funny enough, it was actually not Jesus, but Jonah that kept coming up, and not the resurrection but the fact that Jonah survived in the belly of a fish for three days and three nights. Uh, it, one of the guys, uh, he said, 
said, I grew up in a Christian church, and he actually said, in the Midwest, and he said, I went to Sunday school, and I heard all the stories, stories like Jonah and the whale, and he goes, and I just hit a certain point where I grew up, he said, and I stopped believing in fairy tales. So he said, I, I was taught that as a kid, but eventually I grew up. I listened to a woman share her side of the story, and she was a younger woman, and she said, you know, I think... I think boomers and even Gen X uh, generation is going to have to just get that millennials and Gen Z and the upcoming generations, we have access to the internet now. And we have access to information that they didn't. So we just don't believe things that they did. And she said, one of those things that we just don't believe anymore is stories like Jonah and the whale and Daniel and the lion's den. And then finally, one last guy I listened to, he was trying to be positive, and he said, you know, th these stories in the Bible, and he said, like Jonah and the, the big fish, this guy Jonah surviving in this fish, he said, you know, th they're exciting, they're interesting, they're kind of neat, but he said, I ultimately think of them like professional wrestling. He said, if you look at it, and if you think that that's real, he said, honestly, I think that's kind of pathetic. So some of you... It's hard to hear that people are articulating these things. I think for probably some of you, like for WrestleMania fans, that last one you're really mad about. <laughs> he's attacking two things that you love. But for me, when I hear those stories, and I was preparing for this message, I just started thinking, man, why is this Jonah and the fish coming up again and again? Why does this story stick in our collective mindset, not just as a church, but as a society. I mean, if you talk to anyone off the street, they might not be able to share a lot about the scriptures, but they've probably heard of Jonah and the big fish. Well, one of the reasons is pretty simple to understand why it's become such a well-known story is because it is an amazing, incredible, wild, bizarre story. Open up with me to Jonah chapter two. That's where we're gonna be all day. And last week, as John left us off, the last verse of chapter one really uh, introduces us to the setting that we're going to be looking at today, because Jonah is going to be in this belly of this fish, calling out in prayer to God. And so here's the last verse, 17 of chapter one. If you're there, read it with me. It'll also be up on the screen into chapter two. This is what the Bible says. It says, and the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. But he was not dead. He was alive. And we know he was alive because chapter two starts out. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the belly of the fish. It's a long prayer that we're going to go through. If you skip to the end of the chapter, there's one more narrative element here. Uh, verse 10 says this, and the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. That's our story. And we could admit, even as Christians, it's a pretty amazing story. It's almost incredible, almost unbelievable. But here is the interesting thing as we look at this story today. There's a way, in a way that these people are right. Because I'll save you doing some research. Uh, I spent some time doing it. Did you know that scientifically, biologically, physiologically, naturally, a human being cannot survive for three days in the stomach of a fish? 
Naturally, that is impossible. We don't even need to get into the corrosive effect of digestive enzymes on human flesh. We don't need to talk about the various esophageal diameters of large marine aquatic wildlife. We can put it pretty simply, there's no oxygen in the stomach of a large fish. And human beings need oxygen to survive for three days and three nights, naturally right? But this is what we know as Christians and what we need to make clear again and again and again. We don't believe in a natural God. We believe in a supernatural God who, yes, is the creator of all natural things, but anytime he wants and often he does, he breaks through the ordinary with the extraordinary, and that's what this book is all about. Do you know what else a human being can't do? They can't be raised from the dead. Scientifically, biologically, naturally, someone can't be dead for three days and be raised to life. But we know that Jesus Christ was. And you shouldn't even have to get all the way to Jonah to see this in the scriptures. Because if I go to the third chapter of my Bible, yep. There's a talking snake there. <laughs> so, if we go, let's even go the first verse here. Let's, let me read the first verse of the Bible. In the beginning, God, and I'm just going to stop there, because the Bible starts by introducing an infinite eternal, supernatural God who was there before all time, before space, a God who knows everything, can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, he's all powerful, he's present everywhere fully at the same time. This is not a natural story. And sometimes we encounter stories like Jonah and the big fish and we start to think, and I'm listening to these voices, especially younger generations who think, oh, do you know what? I can just go to a blog. I can go to an article, and it says this story is impossible. And they go, well, close the book on the Bible and close the book on God. That's it. That's a wrap. This just isn't true and isn't worth believing and following. But I want to submit something interesting to you today. Because while we could talk for hours about how amazing it is that our God, the supernatural God, the creator and the sustainer of the universe can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and sometimes steps in in miraculous ways. But I actually think that that is not the most incredible, unbelievable things we encounter not just in the Bible, but actually in this chapter that we're looking at today, in Jonah chapter 2. I think it barely breaks through the top three of things that should just utterly blow our mind and amaze us about what God can do that we can never imagine he would be able to naturally do based on our own expectations. I want to look into this story and be reminded that Jesus is doing something bigger through this story. If you have your Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 12. 
John, Pastor John referenced this last week, but one of the reasons we can be confident that the story of Jonah is a real story and God did truly supernaturally sustain Jonah's life is because Jesus believed that and Jesus talked about that. Matthew chapter two, it'll be up on the screen. I'm just gonna read two things that Jesus said about Jonah and the big fish. I'm gonna read verses 40 and 41. For just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh will rise up at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for they repented at the preaching of Jonah. We'll see that next week in chapter three. And listen to this. And behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus connects his story to the story of Jonah and shows that while Jonah's life truly was sustained, that's not the most amazing thing that happens in the life and in the story of Jonah. Because Jesus not only compares himself to Jonah, but he says something greater than Jonah is here. We're going to see why he says that today. So now I want to read the full uh, chapter with you. Just follow along, uh, either in your Bibles or just listening here. The full chapter is not going to be on the screen, but just listen to Jonah chapter 2 and see if you can catch some of the amazing, incredible, unbelievable things God is doing in this chapter. Jonah 2 says this, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the belly of the fish, saying, I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. Then I said, I am driven away from your sight, yet I shall again look upon your holy temple. The waters closed in over me to take my life. And the deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went to the land whose bars closed upon me forever. Yet you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out upon the dry land. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, with this short time we have left, I pray you just show us through your word, not just what you did in the life of Jonah, but what you're still doing in our lives today. Open our minds and open our hearts to receive what you have for us today. We trust you to do that, Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Amen. So did you catch anything there? The first thing that stands out to me, and we're going to go over two main things today, but the first thing that just jumps out to me that is more incredible, more unbelievable, but something we can miss when we just focus on the miraculous things physically, but we miss out on the miraculous things spiritually. This is where it blows my mind. Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God. Listen to his prayer. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. 
Let's remember from what we read in Jonah chapter one, what has led Jonah to this predicament. He has deliberately disobeyed God over and over again, has tried to go as far away from the specific mission and call that God has put on his life. He winds up in the belly of this fish going down, down, deeper, deeper, farther, farther, and he calls out to God. And God answers. Prayer. I think we can forget as we read the scriptures how utterly unbelievable, incredible, and almost too good to be true it is that we get to talk to God. God listens to us. We have an audience with the creator of the universe, the Lord of lords, the maker of heaven and earth, the alpha and omega, the beginning of the end. He listens when we cry out. I think we can get so laser focused sometimes on what the Bible says that we miss out on what it could have said, but that it doesn't. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, but since he is Lord over all, he didn't have time for poor old little old Jonah. I called out to the Lord out of my distress, but since I was in the middle of active disobedience, God responded saying, oh wait, who's this? Jonah, where are you calling from? Are you in Nineveh yet? Oh, no, you're going the opposite direction? No, I called out to the Lord out of my distress and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol, that's just a place of utter darkness and death and despair. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried. And God said, you know what? You're a little too far away, Jonah, for me to be able to hear your voice. Out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, but I was just screaming into the void because I had gone too far and it had gotten too bad and too dark. No, it says, out of the belly of Sheol, I cried, and you heard my voice. Look down at verse seven, if you're following along. Jonah says, when my life was fainting away, when he was on the edge of death, in the darkness, just fighting for his life, he says, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. I think we as Christians, and I know I can speak for myself, even as a pastor, I wake up day after day after day and just completely forget how utterly amazing it is that God wants to hear from us, that he actually cares, and that he's actually listening. Let me ask, so I, I hardly ever ask for participation, but I really want to raise of hands here. How many of you in the last year and a half have not done a single Zoom call? Raise your hand if you have not been on a Zoom call in a year and a half. Everyone else, look upon the Lord's favored ones. <laughs> I don't know what you do for work or for school, but I want to get in on that. No, uh, if, you're, if you're watching online, there's like six people with their hands raised. Uh, we're all familiar with this crazy uh, 
uh, amazing and horrible uh, video Zoom conferencing thing that is, is a part of our lives now. And I just saw an article that said this company um, has found a new business uh, to get into where they uh, are a liaison between ordinary people like us and the celebrities that we love, whether that be actors or athletes or musicians. And this company facilitates 10-minute Zoom calls that for 10 or 20 or $50,000, you can talk to your favorite celebrity. <laughs> I, I, you can pay me $10,000 to do another Zoom call at this point. But I was reading that and I was just struck by how desperate some of us are to just talk to somebody who we think matters somebody who we think has immense value, somebody we think is great, someone we think is amazing, someone we think, I don't know, would just be a special connection. And yet, when we open God's word, we're reminded through the story of Jonah that at any time, even at our depths, even when we hit rock bottom, the God of the universe is available and wants to speak with us. I could talk to you today about practical applications of, and, and there's great tools to be reminded to pray. There's great systems to get into the pattern of prayer. I don't have anything against any of those, but that's not what I want to share with you today. I want to just continually look at this prayer from Jonah and reawaken our love for the fact that we get to talk to God, that at any moment, we can cry out. And as we look at Jonah, I, I think there's good and bad examples to learn from. I think it's amazing that even in this situation, when Jonah had gone so far, he realized, because he was a man of God, even as mixed up and as messed up as he was, but he remembered that he could always call out. It was never too late. As long as he had breath in his lungs and even with the sustained, miraculous oxygen that he must have been receiving from God himself, because he wasn't dead, it wasn't too late to cry out, to call out, to remember the Lord and to turn to him in prayer. Some of you might need to learn from Jonah's example today. Some of you, I know, have kids right now who are on the Jonah path to rock bottom. If they're not praying for themselves, you pray for them every single day. I, I know for most of you, I don't even need to remind you of that. You don't have to set a timer on your phone to remember. But as long as we're not dead, there is always hope, and we need to keep on praying. But we should also learn from where Jonah messed up too, because it's not just in the darkest valleys that we should remember that we have the opportunity and the privilege to call upon the Lord. But even at our highest peaks, when we're on the mountaintop, don't forget that you can talk to God. Yes, there's times where the Bible exhorts us to, in obedience, go to the Lord in prayer. But what I see when I read the story of Jonah, it's just a reminder of what a delight it is that God is always there. We are never too far. He is never too busy. He is always readily available for us to come to him in prayer. I think some of us need to be reminded of that through Jonah's story today. But there's another thing that you might have caught in here. It's the crescendo of this chapter. It's what everything in this prayer builds up to. 
that I think is the most amazing, incredible thing. And to be honest, if anybody is saying, you know, I'm reading the scriptures and I just can't believe them, this would actually be the thing where I would say, I get it. It is almost too good to believe. Think about what Jonah is praying. I'm going to read the rest of the prayer again and look for two things as we're praying. You might have caught it, but there's two yets. There's two yets in this text that build up to Jonah is talking about the perilous predicament he's in of being trapped in this stomach of a fish. But twice he says, and yet. Verse three says this. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the flood surrounded me. All your waves and your billows passed over me. And then I said, I am driven from your sight. Yet, and yet, I shall look again upon your holy temple. How could he say that? He said, the waters closed in over me to take my life. The deep surrounded me. Weeds were wrapped about my head at the roots of the mountains. I went down to land whose bars closed upon me forever. And yet, and yet, you brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. How can he say that? Let's read the rest. He says, when my life was fainting away, I remembered the Lord and my prayer came to you into your holy temple. Those who pay regard to vain idols forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will pay. Here's the key. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Jonah didn't have a full picture of salvation yet. He didn't have the privilege that we do of knowing the story of Jesus, his body broken, his blood shed on the cross for us, death and sin and the grave defeated with the glorious resurrection. But Jonah knew the character of God. He knew not only that God was listening, but that God, our God, is a God of salvation. Jonah knew that even though he had disobeyed, Jonah knew that even though he had messed up, even though he had been fearful, even though he had been hateful, he knew he could still turn to the Lord because salvation is from the Lord. You know, one of the privileges I've had uh, in my time as a pastor here, a couple of the ministries that I've been working with were ministries I had never done work with before, and they just heaped on perspective on my life that I never had. One of them was working with our seniors ministry and doing visitation. Uh, I had a privilege of getting to spend lots of time uh, with some of the older members of our community. And in fact, uh, one of the women that I loved spending time with, her name was Ruth Hubel. She's not here. She is with Jesus now. But if this was just three or four months ago, she would have been sitting right back there, uh, right in that corner. She kept driving to church even at 95. I mean... That's amazing and a little scary, but uh, she was just an amazing woman. And when I would talk to her, uh, she just would heap perspective on my life. I remember one time I was saying, you know, Ruth, it's so crazy. You were born in the 1920s and my daughter Piper was born in the 2020s. I just can't even wrap my head around that. And I remember she said, the first thing she said is, you gave your daughter a very weird name. I thought, <laughs> okay. 
I was a little offended at first, but then I realized when you're approaching the triple digits, probably everything is pretty weird that you're seeing. I'm only 30 and I already think young people are weird and doing, so I, I gave her a pass on that, but she, she would say, yeah, I just would talk to her to get all this perspective because she grew up in the Great Depression. She, I mean, I remember one time I asked her, so you remember a time when people didn't have like uh, color TVs in their houses, right? And she like looked at me and she's like, I remember a time where some people didn't have electricity in their houses. And I would drive away from those and I'd get stuck on traffic here on 37 and for a second I would go, this is ridiculous. And then I'd remember that I'm in a car and I have air conditioning going and I'm, I can pull out my phone and pick whatever song I want on Spotify to play through Bluetooth on the radio. And I would just go, how do I miss how amazing life is? Another ministry, our global missions, I've gotten to partner with them and just hearing stories of what some of our missionaries go through day in and day out, just heap perspective on my life. Like Sarah Jansen, one of our missionaries, she's a young woman who's raising 10 kids in Uganda, and we support her financially. And some of her, probably one of her largest financial expenses is hiring armed guards just to guard her home. Because if she didn't have that, she would be in big trouble. And we partnered with Mission India, one of the people that we support who works for them. They were sharing that a couple months ago, they got really sick and they visited 21 hospitals before they found a hospital that had room for them. They were driving for 30 hours to 21 hospitals just to be treated in a medical facility. And I hear these stories and I go, man, in my life with my stuff and with my blessings and all the, all this amazing things of getting this historical perspective and getting this uh, geographical perspective, it's amazing. But I think sometimes we as Christians need to get a little spiritual perspective. We hear things like salvation belongs to the Lord. We hear things like, I cried out and you answered. And we just go, yeah, that's Christianity. That's God. He saves us. He died for us. He saved us. And we aren't just blown away by the fact that God loves us. And even when we, like Jonah, stray, even when we sin, even when we actively go against him, even when we're apathetic, even when we're arrogant, salvation is from the Lord. Not by our own work, but by what God does in and through us. When we look at Jonah's prayer and when we continue to learn Jonah's story, because let me tell you, I wish I could tell you, next week is gonna be the end because there's some beautiful stuff. Jesus referenced it some repentance that we're going to talk about, but that's not even where the story of Jonah ends. Pastor John's going to share Jonah chapter four, and this guy is just a broken, messed up guy, just like us. But he knows through it all, through all of his shortcomings, through all of everything that he lacks coming before God, that salvation is from the Lord. I want to give you one last quick story that I heard this week that gave me spiritual perspective that I needed and something as I just 
part ways just as your pastor, but not as a member of this church. This is just a truth that I want to stick with me and I hope you can walk away with too. But my role here is community pastor. And so I, I sometimes read uh, what different community pastors throughout the country have written different things. And one guy that I like who uh, is out of the Seattle area in Washington, he's a community pastor there. And just a month ago to this day, he was on a plane in Charlotte. They were supposed to be going back to Seattle. And as soon as they went up, their plane had engine failure. And they, the, the pilots and everybody, they said, you need, everybody needs to prepare for a crash landing. And so he, tell, he shares this story that he's there with his wife and around them, there's just total panic. People are knowing we're going down. This is probably the end. And he said, my wife and I just looked at each other. And he said, before we get, could get anyone else ready, we had to make sure we were ready together. And they looked at each other and they said, when you get to heaven, if Jesus asks, what did you do to be saved? What are you going to say? And the man said, his wife said, I'm just going to point to Jesus and say, I didn't do anything. Salvation is from the Lord. And she said it back to them. And then they began to share among other people. And eventually, I mean, the story has an amazing ending. They were able to land safely. You can look it up. It, it happened just a month ago. But for me, that was one of those moments that just reawakened my heart and my passion for the crazy, incredible, unbelievable reality that God loves us so much. He not only listens to us, wants a relationship with us, is available to talk to us, but that he sent his son, Jesus, to save us. There's a last verse I want to leave you with, Romans 6.23. It's familiar, but carry it in your heart wherever you go. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said, people repented at the preaching of Jonah, something greater than Jonah is here. God loves you so much, he sent his son to die for you. We can hear that for the thousandth or 10,000th or millionth time and just go, I know, yeah, cool, it's great. I got stuff to do. I'm gonna go on with my day. But we need some spiritual perspective to be reminded that it shouldn't be God being able to sustain the life of one individual thousands of years ago for three days and three nights into the belly of a fish. Yes, that is amazing and incredible, and we know that God can do that. But that is not the most amazing thing we read about in this chapter. The most amazing thing is that salvation belongs to the Lord. I hope you walk away today treasuring that anew, that God returns the joy of your salvation in a new way. Even these Old Testament stories that people look at us for believing and go, you guys are crazy. We can just kind of say, we are kind of crazy. We're crazy enough to believe that the God who rules over all loves us so much that I get to talk to him every day and that he gave his son for me. Now that is crazy, but it's also true. Amen? Amen.
Would you stand up as we pray together? We're going to pray and we're going to sing one last song. And as we sing this song together, it's just the story of Jesus pouring out his blood, his love for us, that just as Jonah was drowning in the sea and God saved him with a fish, we now get to drown in the love and the grace of Jesus every day. So let's pray together and then let's sing out to our God.